What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? All right. It is November 4th, 2021, which means it is officially my favorite month of the calendar year. The college football playoff rankings have been released. Myself, Miles on Sports, Mr. Brad Thomas, we are releasing yo, yo. our very own top 10 today. How are we feeling overall about what we've seen from the committee so far? <laughs> I've had so much fun backing back on Twitter, just laughing at everyone's reactions and laughing at the committee. I think that like I saw I'm in this uh, college football forum and, you know, we knew it was going to be a crap show. Like we just knew it was going to be a very big crap show. And I said before the commit the rankings come out, the rankings this early are almost pointless unless you're a team like Cincinnati. Because Cincinnati's not losing for the rest of the season. So if they're in the top four, they pretty much have a guaranteed spot. Now, teams like Oklahoma, who have a really tough road ahead, and if they go undefeated, they're probably gonna be number two in the country. So there's there's a lot of wait and see. And but I boy, as a Bama guy, I I I'll tell you something, man. I was shocked. I was very shocked that we were number two. Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to this SEC thing, right? That 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 everyone keeps talking about, and and we've got Georgia at one, and we got Bama at two. Cincinnati, as you said, it really just gives them an idea of what is where what does the committee think of us? We've been talking about it for weeks, right? Yep. Cincinnati may be number two in the AP poll, and that's fine and dandy, but there's no way in hell that the committee was going to ever rank Cincinnati in the top four. It was never going to happen. So I just don't understand all the outcry. We knew the system that we're playing in, right? I mean, by now, you have to know, what are we now, seven years into this thing? You know the system that you're playing in now, and this thing is not going to change until expansion. And even expansion doesn't guarantee that it eliminates biases and opens the opportunity for a group of five. I mean, I want to get into this group of five, power five, you know, conversation again, but let's get right into it. Let's go ahead and start. Let's go one by one. Give me your number 10. My number 10, I have Notre Dame. I think that's a totally fair ranking for them. Um, you know, they've won the games they've needed to, especially the big win against um, USC. And people might not think that's a big win, but USC had them down to the ropes and they came out victorious. Yeah, I have Notre Dame just outside my top 10. I actually, uh, at 10 and 9, I got two teams from the Big 12. And I want to talk about the Big 12 for a second, is that if you're looking at the SEC and the Big 12 right now, the Big 12 has an, uh, an undefeated Oklahoma and two one-loss teams in Baylor and Oklahoma State. The SEC is sitting with an undefeated Georgia, a one-loss Bama, and then two lost teams. No one's talking about the Big 12 and how they actually have three very strong teams here. I'll tell you, Baylor has been really impressive the last three weeks. Wins yes. against BYU, wins against Texas, West Virginia. Their only loss of the year to Oklahoma State. I've got Baylor in my top 10 at number 10. That's totally fair. When I saw that, well, they're 12. When I saw Baylor was 12, I thought that was – Interesting, you know, yeah. but I, I it was the top ten was tough for me, and I had to had to honor Notre Dame there. All right, who's nine? Number nine, I have Michigan. Um, I mean, they've done well, but they still are lacking that explosive offense that I would put higher. And I think that I, a part of me just wanted to punish them for blowing a lead like that. When you want to be a championship caliber team, you don't blow what was it, fifteen points in the final five minutes of the game. You don't blow leads like that, and you don't let a guy run for two hundred yards and five touchdowns. A tough loss for Michigan, man. I mean, it looked like they had that in hand, and it looked like 
we knew exactly what we were going to see from Michigan. Yep. And it, until the game just got broken open by Kenneth Walker. I mean, it was that Michigan-Michigan State game was wild. But Michigan and Harbaugh, you want to talk about games, he's like, get away. That was big one. Big uh, one. That, that he, uh, at number nine for me, another Big 12 team, I got Oklahoma State. Now, what I will say is that Oklahoma State does have their only loss to an unranked Iowa State team. I don't like that. But we're still looking at a one-loss team in what I think is a very top-heavy Big 12 conference. Um, a win against Baylor. They got their game against Oklahoma coming up at the, at the end of the year. Strong defense. I got Oklahoma State at nine. I'll go That's ahead. Tr- uh, yeah, go ahead. One second. As strong as the Big 12 is, too, we're going to see a lot of change in the top 25 and the top uh, 10 throughout the season because these teams are going to be playing each other and going to be getting stronger and stronger. Like, I I think that Baylor's resume is going to get stronger. I think that Oklahoma yeah. State's resume is going to get stronger. Every team is going to get stronger. So when you have a win over a Baylor, you just look that much more dominant. And hats off to Dave Aranda, by the way. I mean, I almost left the Baylor program for dead. When they yes. lost that rule, but uh, and and we knew that Aranda was a good hire, but really rocky start last year. And now he's got Baylor right back in position to play for a Big Twelve championship. Yep. In his second year, hats off to him for for that program because we see what's happening at TCU. Um, my number eight. This is where I've got Oregon. I've got Oregon low. Oregon doesn't belong in my top four. And again, Oregon, they have possibly the best win of the year against Ohio State in early September. And I know that every game matters, and I get that. But that was a very different Ohio State team that they played. C.J. Stroud uh, came out this week and said that he that he indeed suffered an injury in week one. He wasn't 100%. They didn't disclose the injury. Ever since he's come back, they've been a completely different team. Oregon lost to Stanford. <laughs> I, it's, just, it's, it's just it's inexcusable to me. I, I, and if Oregon ends up finishing the year 13-1, and one, I don't think they will. I still don't know. It just depends on who's there, but 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 I'm still not going to say that I would have Oregon in my final four. Now I don't think they're going to finish 13 and one, but their loss against Stanford really hurts for me. For me, it does matter who you lose to. It matters who you beat too. I don't think yeah. one should have any precedent over the other. But I've got Oregon at eight. Okay, I, I, you'll see what I think about Oregon shortly. At eight, I have Wake Forest. Had to give them a little love. Sam Hartman is playing lights out. We thought when Sam Hartman would take over, that Wake Forest would just be this dead program and. Heisman candidate, Heisman hopeful. Um, I, I think this is an appropriate ranking for them. Yeah, I like what Wake Forest has done. Uh, they've they've definitely caught my attention. Uh, at number seven, that's where I have Michigan. Uh, I still think that they're deserving of a top 10 spot, but at this point, it's kind of hard to say who they've actually beaten. Yeah. Uh, again, they let that one get away against Michigan State where they had the game well in hand. They were on their way to a huge road victory and an undefeated record, and Michigan State finds a way to come back and win that game. That is heart-wrenching, but I've still got Michigan in my top 10 at number seven. All right, my number seven, and this is and, and guys who are listening to this podcast, do not send me hate mail. I'm so sorry, but I have to rank them here. This is where I have Cincinnati. Listen, Miles, yes, they have the one top 10 win over Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is a borderline top 10 team. Throughout the rest of the schedule, they're playing absolutely nobody. And for me to sit here and say that they're more deserving than an Ohio State, more deserving than even an Oregon, more deserving than an Oklahoma is out of control. Yeah, they have the number two ranked defense in the nation. Yeah, it's easy when you're playing against Navy, who's won one game this season. It's easy when you're playing against Tulane, who is not the Tulane of old. Like, I, I, I can't bring myself to make them higher, maybe borderline five, four, I mean, five or six, but I think seven's a very fair spot for them. I'm 100% with you on that one, man. I do not have Cincinnati in my top 10, and I know that that may be a little bit of an overreaction. But listen, I mean, at this point, 
where we've seen other group of five teams undefeated, none have even sniffed the top 10. So all of yeah. a sudden you want to sit there and tell me that Cincinnati is, is, is all of a sudden a top four team now? I mean, no. what about no. last year? Or what about UCF in 2017? What about UCF in 2018? Why Agreed. weren't they a top 10 team? Why weren't they a top five team? They're playing the same schedule. Yep. Right? So you're you could argue that the ACC, AAC was stronger than two. Yes. This is and a down time. year for the AAC. Right. No doubt about that. It's a great argument to make. But at, but at this point, it's just not strong enough. Week in and week out, you're just not playing strong enough competition. You can't tell me that one road win against a Notre Dame team who gets blown out in all of their playoff appearances, every se- you, you just can't tell me that that, that, that one win is enough yeah. to make you a top four team when you're struggling to beat Navy in Tulane on the road. It just yep. It just makes no sense to me. It's... It's nothing against what Cincinnati is building. Again, Cincinnati's done a great job of earning their opportunity. And we talk about that, right? We talk about a group of five programs earning their opportunity. They're headed to the Big 12. They're headed to the Power Five. All right? So once you get there, then go 13-0 in the Big 12 and then talk to me. Yes. And, and how about we talk about how many times we've seen even Oklahoma go undefeated in the Big 12? Yep. Why does it not happen consistently? Because it's a more difficult league. It's deeper top to bottom. Yeah. There's not enough competition in a league like the American. Is it fair? No. This is it's, not a fair system. And it's just the way the, the cookie crumbles. Right. The first one to say that, 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 that college football is broken. It is not a fair system. The group of five and the power five are two completely different leagues. Now, the good news is hopefully we see more expansion coming up. Yes. The good news is that the group of five can feed into the power five and create opportunities for those programs who have proven themselves. Like a and, Houston and a BYU, and a UCF, and a Cincinnati. You know, it's so sad, too, is like the group of five diehard. You know, like, look, I'm wearing the the UCF shirt, repping the group of five today, but they think that teams like Alabama don't want expansion. Teams like Alabama, teams that SC could care less about expansion. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You cannot sit here, Cincinnati, and tell me because they have a top 10 win, which is more than Alabama, which is more than Georgia, which is more like that they that that makes them deserving yeah. of a spot when they have no 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 challenges throughout the entire season except one game does not make you deserving of a top 10 spot. In Bama and Georgia and Ohio State and Oklahoma, they haven't gotten those opportunities yet. It just so happens that Cincinnati had that opportunity in that non-conference. Yeah. Uh and and they came away with a very impressive win. You know, I I don't take anything away from that, but it as long as they are talented one-loss Power 5 programs that are yes. gaining my respect, like a Baylor and Oklahoma State, who have a loss in the Big 12, right? Or or in Oregon, who's, who's one. As long as they are out there, I can't rank a Cincinnati over them. Yeah. Now, if, if I start talking about two-loss Power 5 teams, that's when I'll start considering moving those group of five teams up. But you're never yeah. going to see a group of five team in my you know in my top four, and in this case, not even no. in my top ten. No, absolutely not. Okay, so let's go ahead and do our first two out. So we're going to do five and six. So this will give uh, us an idea of where we're at there. I'll go ahead and start. So here's where I'm at. These are my first two out, two undefeated Power 5 programs. I've got Michigan State at five, and I've got Wake Forest at six. You and I were just talking about this before we went live. This is my wait-and-see mentality here with my first two out, five and six. And this is most likely where I'll keep them as long as things don't change. I think that Michigan State and Wake Forest, if they can go undefeated – I think that they would obviously be deserving of a college football playoff spot, but I don't think that they're a top four team right now. So I've got them at five and six, but I've got them right on the cusp and I've got them ahead 
of teams like, you know, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oregon, yep. other one-loss teams because they've played their schedule and proven it. My wait and see is a little different than yours. My wait and see is number five, Oregon, number six, Ohio State. And the reason I have them ranked where they are is because I think it'll work itself out. When If Ohio State defeats Michigan, defeats Michigan State, they're in the top four regardless. Right. Michigan State comes down. If Oregon wins out, they're going to need a little bit of help from Ohio State to go ahead and take down Michigan and Michigan State. They might be in the top four. It's all wait and see for me for these teams, but I think ultimately that number five is the the the, the sketchiest position of my rankings because Oregon wins out, Ohio State wins out. There's no way I keep Oregon ahead of Ohio State just right. because of the road that Ohio State has ahead. And I like that you brought that up because I think it brings up a good point of you know this Oregon ahead of Ohio State um, argument that everybody's been making. And this is before the rankings came out, and, and there were a lot of pun. Well, we better ahead of Ohio State because Oregon beat Ohio State. I don't think head-to-head should be the end-all, be-all of our No, it's not. the entire thing is flawed. All right? so We see Texas A&M in the top four. (laughs) Thank you. Right? Exactly. So Oregon's got the loss to Stanford. Tell me which team has looked better since that Ohio State-Oregon game. Which team has actually made improvements, right? So, yeah, Ohio State didn't blow the doors off of Penn State uh, last week, but we got Penn State's best game and we still came away with the victory and didn't even play our best game offensively. That was the best defense Ohio State played all year and still came away with the win where I never really felt like it was in doubt. And as you said, our, our schedule is so backloaded. Yeah. But Oregon's got their opportunity as well. So the reason I say this is because obviously, you know, I haven't said Ohio State yet. I've got them ranked ahead of Oregon. I don't think it should be the end all. I've got Oregon at number eight. I think, go ahead. no, I think that that's totally fair. Like if you have Ohio State over Oregon, I believe it, but I, I put mine as a wait and see, and right. you're, it's it's totally fair for you to jump a team. Like I think that the ceiling, and no disrespect for Oregon, the ceiling, unless a lot of craziness happens, for Oregon is five. That's as high as they're going. Where Ohio State has all of this runway. Six is just like them sitting outside with their scope, waiting to shoot down teams in front of them. And Oregon doesn't really have that liberty. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State could end the year with wins against Michigan State, Michigan, you know, Wisconsin. They they just have the opportunities. I mean, Oregon's got that too. But again, it's it's a wait and see, right? So let's yep. go ahead and get into the uh, to the top four. I will go ahead and go first. All right. So this is kind of how I structured this because the, obviously these are our first rankings of the year. So based on what we've seen, I've got the four teams, not in this exact order, or it might be, I can't remember, but I've got the four teams that I had in the playoff in the beginning of the year, and there's still nothing that I've seen where I don't think that these are the best four teams in the country. All right? So I've got Georgia at number one. I've got Bama at number two. I've got Ohio State at number three. And I've got Oklahoma at number four. These are the four teams that I think that we're going to see in the playoff. Maybe not in that order, because I think Bama beats Georgia in the NCC championship. But these are the four teams that I've got in the playoff at the end of the year. So in my mind, I don't think my top four is changing. Um, no, I think yours is totally fair. We will we will wait and see, but and, and listen, I I wanted to do this originally based on okay, because there's two ways to do this. What if the playoff started today, and do your actual rankings of the best teams? Because let's be real, if the playoff started today, Michigan State and Wake Forest, you'd have to put them in. Yeah. If Wake Forest, or I'm sorry, if Clemson, which they have, if Clemson plays the same schedule as Wake Forest this year. Exclude the Georgia game, and, yep. and and they're undefeated. Then Clemson's like number one, right? Yeah. I mean, so so, so why shouldn't Wake Forest be considered in the in the same way? It, now yep. 
keep, also keep in mind, uh, Wake Forest has the toughest part of their schedule coming up. I believe it's North Carolina, uh, Clemson, Boston College, and I, I forgot the 14. But So Wake Forest will also have a chance to, to earn that distinction. But if the season ended today, how do you keep Wake Forest out of the playoffs as an yep. Power Five team? Especially, you said it best, that if Clemson plays that schedule, they're ranked number one. Right. I'll give my top four here. Um, This has changed so many times, except with the exception of number one, Georgia. We all know that. Number two, I have Oklahoma. Number three, I have Alabama. And number four, I have Michigan State. I flirted with Michigan State at number two and number three. But listen, if I'm going to punish Cincinnati for playing no one, I cannot reward Michigan State for playing no one. And what I mean by that is Michigan State has played, what, one winning team all season? And that was Michigan? So I cannot put Michigan State at number two. Um, and then for Oklahoma, yeah, they've played bad, but they're getting the wins in the Big 12, and I have to reward them for that. For Alabama, I don't have them at two um, because I surely think that Alabama, their loss to Texas A&M is going to look better and better as Texas A&M finishes the season. But right now where it stands, Texas A&M is not that great of a team, although they're on a three-game win streak and a three-game cover streak. So we just got to see what's going to happen. But I do think that whatever, wherever I have teams ranked, it's going to work themselves out. Alabama plays Georgia in the SEC Championship. Ohio State plays Michigan State. Uh, Oklahoma plays uh, Oklahoma, Frank, I'm, State. Oklahoma State. Yeah, they, they have two top 15 Baylor, matchups. Right? Yeah, yeah Oklahoma, two Baylor, top 15 matches in the back of the season. So yeah. it's going to work itself out. And, and you'll notice that the Power Five conferences are kind of doing their scheduling this way on purpose, right? Because yeah. keep everybody near the top until we get to November, and then you can kind of start to to eliminate everybody. But I think a lot of this conversation in in, in a lot of people's rankings is where do you have Cincinnati? But and, and everyone's going to have their belief, and just because you think it's right doesn't mean that it is right, right? This yeah. is called football. Everybody everybody's opinion matters, but this is also why you know expansion is is so enticing. But I'm here to say that even if the playoff was at eight teams, I still wouldn't have Cincy in my top eight. So, I, I think that Cincinnati, if Cincinnati were to be going a head-to-head against Georgia, if they'd be the number, let's say it's an eight seed, and they're the eight seed, they're number one, it would be an 18-and-a-half-point spread. I, I was just about to say 17, 18-point spread for Georgia. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what you're looking at. You, you know, you put Cincinnati up against Alabama, it's going to be double digits. Ohio State, double digits. Yeah. You know, it, it's it, – that's – we're not giving them. We're not giving them kudos because they beat a bad Indiana team. Like I'm just sick of people saying they have two Power Five wins. Yeah, sure. What are the next? Five. Next are they gonna? Are we gonna start celebrating wins over Vanderbilt? Right. How many? How many Power Five wins does Oklahoma have? And, and yeah, right. behind Cincinnati, right? Yes, now. exactly. Oklahoma ranked behind Cincinnati right now. That's so gross. So that's just. I just can't. And, and and one thing I will say about this podcast: what's the spread? Is that we have been adamant about our beliefs for years. Talking about this group of five power five designation, it's nothing against the group no, of five. It's not all at all. About, you know, building your program and all about getting in, but not not into the college football playoff because that that's where the elite programs belong. If there's only four teams, if there's yeah. eight, maybe we can talk about it. Maybe we can talk about giving that one spot, but not in a fourteen playoff. There's just too many other talented teams. Way too many. Just doesn't make sense. All right, I think we rambled long enough about our rankings. I can't wait to do it again next week. Let's yes. go ahead and get to the games, all right? All right, so, so the first game football. we got, tell us what we got. Yeah, so uh, we got one ranked game uh, this week, which we'll get to. But, hey, I thought we would start with college game day. Speaking of the Cincinnati Bearcats, Tulsa at Cincinnati. Cincinnati, 22.5-point favorites. College game day going to Cincinnati. 
for the first time. What great timing for our Cincinnati Bearcats to have a spotlight game. What are we thinking for this one? This is such a joke. Like, there were so many good opportunities for uh, game day throughout the season. And then they find this game. It couldn't have been SMU in a couple weeks. Like. I know, right? Like, anyways, I'm going to back the Bearcats here. This is going to be a slaughter fest. Cincinnati, against their own conference, is easily the best team defensively. Their defense is so stout. Sauce Gardner, the best DB in college football. This is going to be one of those games where Fickle is going to have his boys so ready. He's going to say, oh, they want to rank y'all outside of the top four? We're going to go out and hurt a bad Tulsa team. This Tulsa team, one and four against spend their last five. Listen, their defense is terrible. What, they're 132 uh, teams in college football? They're ranked 102nd, man. This is going to be a show for Desmond Ritter and Jerome Ford to just march down the field and score points in bunches. I think this is going to be like a 35-point win. One of the reasons I wanted to feature this game is because this is my best bet of the week. One of my best bets of the year at Cincinnati, minus 22 and a half. It's going to be yeah. the best bet on PicksWise.com. Look for my write-up over there. But I'm telling you right now, I am loving this spread at minus 22 and a half. There are so many factors going for your money in this one. Teams respond. Team, group of five teams respond. Look at Western Michigan. Look at UCF. Teams respond when college game day comes to town. And not only that, it's such a good matchup for Cincinnati. Yes. The Tulsa defense is allowing 30.9 points per game, 396 yards per game. Yes. Cincinnati is only allowing 15.3 points per game, and Tulsa ranks 96th in points scored. Now, you've seen Cincinnati struggle in the last two weeks. Those games were on the road. Yes. Their last two games at home, they put up 52 against Temple and 56 against UCF. This Cincinnati team is going to roll on Saturday. I think this could easily be a 30-point win for the Bearcats. Minus Agreed. 22 and a half, I think, is way too low. And I also think that a lot of that is for how they've looked in the past two weeks. But again, look at the numbers at home compared to the numbers on the road. They're monumental. They're going to be so up to play this game. Fickle knows what he's doing. They know that they have to come out here and impress. In the end, I don't yes. think it's going to matter, but it matters to them. There's a lot of pride yep. on the line here. Absolutely. Pride games are really good. The next game we got on taps, I really am so excited for this game. Number 13, Auburn Tigers taking on the number 14, Texas A&M Aggies. Aggies are laying a, fi- a five-and-a-half spot. I'll go and take this away. I'm back in the Aggies here, Miles. Since – okay, let me just back up a little bit. And I was blind to this in my Alabama ignorance. This Texas A&M team was good. You know, before the season, they had some QB issues – that you know they had to work through. Their defense needed to start tuning up. They needed to see how to use their weapons in Isaiah Spiller and uh, Devin A. Chain. I'm going to back Texas A&M. I said this early in the last three games they played. They are three and zero against the spread. <laughs> Wins against Alabama, where they put up 41 points. Win against Missouri, where they put 35 points. Win against uh, South Carolina, where they put up 14 points. They've averaged over 420 yards and 40 points in those games. Is Insane. I think that they finally found a way to get C, uh, excuse me, Isaiah Spiller and A-Chain involved collaboratively. A lot of times early in the season, what they were doing is they were featuring one one game, featuring one the other game. No, they're using their two-headed monster. I, I think that Auburn's doing doing well this season. You know, we they're six and two, right? They're they've dominated Texas AM in this matchup, but it's a better defense for Texas AM and 
arguably a better running attack um, than what Auburn has. And, and, I, and I don't think that this is going to come down to the quarterbacks. I think it's going to come down to the defense and the running game. So I'm back in the Aggies with five and a half. And they get this at College Station. Oh, yeah. I like this a lot. Yeah, I think it definitely comes down to the defense. It does not come down to the quarterbacks. I, I, I have to take the points here. I like Auburn plus five and a half. It, it, it almost feels too – it's just – for me, it's too many points, whereas this is probably the best defense that AM has has played in weeks, you could argue, since Bama. But Auburn's been playing some really good football. You mentioned only two losses this year. Uh, yeah. One was to Penn State. Uh, one was to Georgia. Bo Nix is actually – playing out of his mind right now i mean he yeah, over he 300 total yards last week it was against the old miss defense I, I i get that but big 31 20 win against old miss last week in a game where also this auburn defense shut down matt corral and a shorthanded old miss offense but still holding them to 20 points yeah all that leads me to believe is that they're going to be able to play defense well enough in this one to keep it within five and a half i've got a 21 17 win for a&m here i think a&m definitely comes out with the victory but on the other side, Zach Calzada for AM, he's thrown an interception in each of the last six games. And Bonus, he just loves giving it away. <laughs> Bonix is actually limiting his turnovers right now. Um, so, you know, I, I think to cover five and a half, I really only need one of those Calzada interceptions to flip the field one time because I think it's going to be a really defensive game. So I'll, I'll go ahead and take the points here. All right, let's go ahead and move over into a team we had in our rankings coming off a big win against Michigan. We got number three. Michigan State going at Purdue for a 3.30 kick. Uh, Michigan State coming in here as three-point favors. This seems like a trap. Does it seem like yes, a trap? I don't know. It, if it seems like a trap and it seems like too easy, it is a trap. I am backing Purdue. But I can't just, as, as a good handicapper, I can't just say, it seems like a trap, so i gotta right. got to take the trap. You know, sure. I had to look for a reason why Purdue would win this game. You know, they, they lost to Minnesota, but that's a, a pretty good Minnesota team. They beat Iowa. You know, they lost to Wisconsin, but that's a good Wisconsin team. They beat Nebraska. We don't know what Nebraska is, but Nebraska is pretty good at home. One thing that Michigan State has struggled with all season is their pass defense. They're allowing over 300 yards through the air per game. This uh, quarterback committee, I think they're going to run with Aiden O'Connell, is averaging 307 yards per game. And, you know, this Purdue team is pretty good as a dog, covered in 10 of the last 13 I think that their defense is enough to hold down Michigan State. I don't think Michigan State's going to have one of those situations where Purdue's going to let the, the the wind out of the sails. I think that when you watch that Michigan-Michigan State game, there was a point when Harborough was holding on. It wasn't He wasn't constantly attacking. That's not going to happen for the Boilermakers. This is going to be a 330, 3.30 kick. If they start to get a lead and they start getting ahead, it's going to get out of hand. And it's going to be this part of the season for Michigan State where – Mel Tucker and the fan base is going to be like, y'all, we cannot be upset about losing to Purdue. We were last place last year. This is a win for them, regardless of how many games they finish winning. Their total was set at four games, and it's totally fine. The only way that I think they win this game is if Walker has another 205 touchdown game because they, they just can't stop anybody, and they're not good enough to get in shootouts. Michigan's, Michigan is not a good team offensively, and that's why Michigan State was able to come back. Yeah, this kind of goes uh, back to what we were saying about the committee, too. Because if you dig into the stats for Michigan State, they're not good. Uh, no. they're, what they're doing is they're finding ways to win these ball games. Yeah. But to ha- for the committee to rank them as highly as they have at number three, it's just their their criteria is all over the place. Now, yes. I, I'm going to back the Spartans here to 
to, to find a way to win because it's what they've done all year. But all I've got here is reasons why Purdue scares the hell out of me in this game. <laughs> Purdue forced four interceptions against Iowa and then did it again against Nebraska. We're definitely going to see interceptions uh, from Michigan State again uh, in, in this one. Purdue, three and two in the West. They are right in the thick of a division race. Yes. Um, and then on the other side, Michigan State, they are dead last in total defense in the Big Ten. So really, you could argue that anybody can stay with them. But all yep. I keep thinking is, is when Wisconsin uh, went into West Lafayette to play Purdue a couple weeks ago and pretty much rolled them uh, when I went ahead and backed Purdue in that one. And, and I I just don't see Purdue coming away with a win here. You know how I feel about three-point spreads. I, I see it as a pick em. If Michigan State wins by three, I'll take the push. But I, I just see the Spartans, you know, coming away with the victory. Yeah, well, let, let's spot. let's talk about this though. Let's talk about this though. I backed Wisconsin in that Wisconsin Purdue game yeah. Yeah. because Wisconsin's defense is elite. Michigan State's defense is nowhere near elite. They're not. That's and that's why that's why I'm backing Purdue. And that could be the difference. Yeah. All right, let's go to the Big Twelve where we have another team that we were speaking highly of, number twelve Baylor at TCU. Can we talk about our very good friend Gary Patterson for a second? Oh man, rest in peace to his uh, career. One, what one a of the legend! Of this podcast, yes. We've been talking about our friend Gary Patterson for five years. Love that yeah. guy and what he did. He is the embodiment of what you do with a group of five. Yes, one hundred percent. In the Conference USA, takes them to the Mountain West, makes them a power there. Takes them to the Big Twelve, makes them competitive there. But it finally comes crashing down. It comes to an end. So. Hats off to a great career in what yep. he did for TCU. Uh, unreal. Uh, I'm upset about the way that they let him go out. But, yep. hey, this is a business. Uh, but we've got Baylor and TCU here. We were talking about, uh, you know, how, how highly we that, – that, that I think of Baylor. I've, I've got him in my top ten here. This is another one where I'm going to take the road favorite. I'm taking yep. Baylor here minus six and a half. Again, give Dave Aranda credit for what he's doing with this program right now because they are believing in themselves. Uh, you know, you, you can say what you want about Texas, but – they were just so impressive in that game last week. Uh, yeah. now, keep in mind, this is the first road game for Baylor since they lost Oklahoma State 24 to 14 a couple weeks ago. I think TCU keeps it close for a little bit. I think Baylor pulls away in the fourth. Um, I like Baylor here by a touchdown. Yeah, I like Baylor by a touchdown too. Like it, it's just a battle of good offense. Like you have a good offense, you have an okay offense from TCU, you have a good defense from Baylor, and an awful defense from TCU. I got to just call a spade a spade here. These two teams are going in opposite directions at this point of the season. Baylor sees that the playoff is not too far out of reach for them. Not out of they reach for rack them. up some not. big wins and they could be there. Six and two against the spread versus a one, six and one against the spread on the system. Listen, teams that I, I used to, I used to always be totally incorrect in my sentiment that I'm about to say, because I always thought that teams, every time they fired their coach, they rallied around the new coach and won. But no teams that generally have a replacement coach in football. That first game is normally awful. And they only get the brakes beat off them. But look at USC. They got beat by an awful team. Their first game. It just happens. And I'm back in Baylor here. Better team, um, better offense. Arena's turned this program into a, a freaking quiet gym this year. Like, quietly. Big wins over BYU. That BYU win was huge. Huge. Because that's a good BYU team. Yeah. That, that win against Iowa State, huge. That comeback win against Texas says something about your program. 
And TCU, uh, 12 and 17 points in their last two games. And they were playing West Virginia and Kansas State. So they're just, there's, there's nothing there that makes me think that they can cover six and a half here, even at home. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, right now I want to invite you guys to, if you're watching on YouTube, drop the, uh, a comment below, press the like button, and subscribe to the podcast. You can follow me and Miles on Twitter. Miles is at Miles on Sports. And I'm at Mr. Brad Thomas. And the podcast is at What's the Spread underscore. Miles, let's go ahead and get into some NFL. I'll kick off the first game. We have the Tennessee Titans traveling to Los Angeles, taking on the Rams for Sunday Night Football. The Rams are an eight-point favorite. RIP Derrick Henry. RIP Tennessee Titans. I have Tennessee Titans to win their division, and I'm getting terrified because it is hard to replace a back like Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a 2,000-yard back, a man who is averaging over 170 yards per game. A team that, you know, I said this once on one podcast where – the Tennessee Titans have had a very banged up offensive line, but when you have a guy who is 6'4", 240 pounds, and can run a 4-5-40, he makes up for a lot of the ineptness of your offensive line, a lot of the damage that your offensive line has taken. The Titans rely heavily on a play-action game. I do not think that they are talented enough defensively to keep up with the Los Angeles Rams, I mean, to stop the Los Angeles Rams enough where they're now limited offense is going to have to try to compare. The Rams are going to be under the lights. And with the addition of Von Miller, this defense is already scary. Their average margin of victory is nine and a half points. And guess what? You know, this was one thing that really drew me to the minus eight. Before teams would have to load the box. They would have to load the box against um, against Derrick Henry. They're not going to have to load the box. If, I don't care if Adrian Peterson plays. I don't care if it's Jeremy McNichols. This is the fourth. This this is this pass defense is ranked fourth, so they're not going to have to load the box. Now they can sit a little bit more in coverage for a already good pass pass defense. I like the eight points here. Yeah, you know, for me, how, how many points is Derrick Henry worth, right? It, it looks like it's about four uh, yep. because I believe that the line was at four before the Derrick Henry news. And I know that Derrick Henry is the heart and soul of this team, but I can't get off the Titans bandwagon just yet, at least in their cover streak. Uh, they've covered in four straight games. I think eight is – it's too many points for me to pass up here, even on Sunday night. Even on the road, I'm going to take the Titans plus eight. There's, It's hard to replace it back like Derrick Henry. I get that. Tannehill is going to have to step up, and they're going to have to start finding some other playmakers. But I don't think that one running back, maybe quarterback, but I don't think a running back should be worth four, four points. It's just it's too many points for me to pass up here. So I'm taking the Titans to keep this with, at least within a touchdown and taking the plus eight. They've covered four in a row. I'm all about hot teams. So I'll go for five straight here. All right. Let's go ahead and roll into the Denver Broncos at the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are undefeated against the spread, 7-0. They are facing their toughest task, betting-wise, of the season as double-digit favorites here, minus 10. I will go ahead and start. Speaking of streaks, this is how I like to play the NFL, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm taking the Cowboys until they can't cover. Now, listen, I know that it's going to happen eventually where they're not going to cover a spread. But I still think that the Cowboys could definitely win this game by 14 or 15 points with a healthy Dak Prescott. Denver is yes. one in four against a spread in the last five against teams over 500. And honestly, I don't think 10 is really that much considering no. how well Dallas plays when they're at full strength. 
So I'll just keep riding this thing until the wheels fall off. Dude, that's totally fair. (laughs) That is totally fair because I'm on the exact same train as you. This is America's team, the highest bet team by the public. And I'm on there not even thinking twice. This is a Dallas team who's averaging 32 points per game. In the Dover rating, they're rated top three on offensive efficiency. They average 302 pass yards per game, 152 rush yards per game, have a two-headed monster in Zeke and Tony Pollard, and have – more than enough wide receiver talent, and Dak's healthy. But on the Broncos' side of the field, they're ready to cast stones at Teddy Two Gloves. They they don't even want him. They, they were hyping him up the first start of the season, the first wins. And then they play teams with good records. And they get destroyed, only averaging 19 points per game. Their defense is not good enough to stop this Cowboys team. I think that, that the Cowboys are going to have their way with them. And it's going to be a fun party for all Cowboy fans because this is going to put them even closer to the playoffs, even closer to a Super Bowl championship. And even closer to a six or 17-0 against a spread record. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Love, All right, let's go ahead and move on to uh, one that I'm excited about, the Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are coming in here as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Here's the thing. The NFL is uh, – betting the NFL, I feel like, is like sitting down at the blackjack table where you're going up and down, and it's like a stock market. Stocks are hot. Stocks are low. Up and down. Look at the Bengals. Now, I don't have this on record. I, I wish I had this on my Twitter, but I do have confirmation from those that I told. I said the Bengals were not going to cover last week. The Jets were going to find a way to cover. Now, I didn't think the Jets were going to win the, the whole game, <laughs> uh, but they end up winning. And the reason I say that is because don't be deterred by what you saw last week. I think that we get back to what we saw from the Bengals in the weeks previous. But I'm going by even more so – I'm taking the Bengals, by the way. I'm going by even more so for what I saw from the Browns last week, which was an offense that is in utter turmoil. I mean – and listen, what's new, right? What yeah, is new? what's new? I picked the Ravens to win this division at the beginning of the year because I just – I wanted to see it from the Browns before. I believed it. And I just still, after all these years with Baker and all these weapons he has around him, I still don't see it. This is a, this is a borderline must-win game for – the Browns, definitely a very crucial matchup in this division for both teams. But I'm looking at two and a half. I'm looking at a pick em. I'm looking at a Bengals home win. I'm back in the Bengals as well. Um, you know, the trends say back the Browns. Browns won, what, four and one against spread in their last four road games. The Browns, surprisingly, are a top five uh, offense, even though they look god-awful. I just think that their top five offense is only an efficiency. It's not by actual output. So I think that with all of this drama – OJ, uh, uh, Odell Beckham talking trash about the whole organization. They don't know, you know, if they could trust Baker. They don't do, they do trust Baker. Screw that. One thing we know about the Bengals, they got caught looking ahead. They got caught overlooking their opponent against the Jets. They got Mike Whited. (laughs) I think that the Bengals bounce back in a big way here and they take the cover. We just need the win, I think, at this point. I don't think that the, it's going to be a two point game. I'm going to back the Bengals here. I, I, I've been a Bengals believer all season. Um, I, I didn't. I purposely didn't cover the Bengals game last week because I thought that with 98% of the money going on the, the Bengals that they right. were due for a not cover. Yeah. But Burroughs played great this year, and, and this team has turned it around. Couldn't agree more. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up, my man. We got the Los Angeles Chargers at the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'm going to assume that Herbert plays. It looks like he should be on pace two. The Chargers are sitting here as one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. How are you feeling about this one? Dude, something is sketching me out about back in the Chargers, dude. They were at a three points, and they're still just taking in so much public money. Like, 
what the heck? Now it's at one and a half. I checked it. I think some markets have it at one. I'm back in the Eagles. I think the Eagles build off their win from last game. The Chargers with Herbert, without Herbert, they 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 are what like remind me of one of those teams who have like this a lot of success um, in in hype, a lot of success that look at us, we've made it. But you can't crown a Super Bowl champion after Week Three. You can't crown a Super Bowl champion after beating. Now we see a terrible Kansas City Chiefs team. Like you, we can't crown those. And I, I think the Eagles, they have a lot of work themselves, but they have the luxury of playing this game at home. They're going to have to protect Jalen Hurts. But one thing that's really good uh, when you're going against like a Bosa or a good D line is having a quarterback who's mobile and. That way, uh, a guy like a Bosa can't pin his head back and just go straight after you. He has to break down his feet. makes him a little less effective. So I'm going to back the Eagles here. Both are about average against the spread. Both are about average statistically. The Eagles have a very underrated pass defense. It's top five pass defense, and I think that's going to help us a lot here. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm taking the Chargers here uh, to to get the win. I mean, the Eagles beat the Lions last week, big win, forty four to six. But Jalen Hurts still was only nine to fourteen for 103 yards. Yes, he had a good day on the ground. He did, but listen, the Chargers are in a must-win situation. They're trying to avoid their third straight loss here, and and, and again, it, it's another tough road game for them. They were they were just in Baltimore a couple weeks ago, and, and now they're having to travel across the East Coast to, to play Philly, but as long as Herbert can play, and, and I hope he can, I got the Chargers here, come away with the win, and a win that they must have, I'm going to go with the better quarterback. <laughs> That's totally fair, Miles. Like I said, any day that I can talk football with you is a great day. Guys, I want to invite you to follow us on Twitter at what's the spread underscore. Be sure to download this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, however you get your play your podcast. We're gonna have our next session with our special guest, Justin Bales, the goal line. Take care. All right, welcome to the goal line. Today we have with us a friend of the podcast, DFS Karma Content Manager, Justin Bales. Be sure to follow him at Bales S. Justin, my man. Welcome into the show. Thanks for having me again. I feel like I need to uh, make some money back for the people. Last time I came, went 0-2. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it happens. Yeah, 2-0. Go ahead and tell us your first play. I, I see you have a game in Nevada. Uh, you have two underdog plays today, so let's see the first one. Yeah, so I'm back in San Jose State as a 10-point underdog. It feels a little bit too big, but I feel like kind of the big thing here is that Nick Nash took over for Nick Starkle, uh, I believe five games ago was when he made his first start. They're 3-2 and two and have an overtime loss in that period, so could very, very close to 4-1. and one. Uh, The recent change, I guess, over the last two weeks with Nick Nash is that they've become more run-oriented. In his first three games, he had 23 carries for 99 yards. That's total overall. The last two weeks, up to 28 carries for 233 and two touchdowns. So it's kind of in a spot where Nash adds a little bit of unpredictability. Uh, he's a bit more versatile because he can also throw uh, throw essentially as well as Starkle. I don't think he really has quite the arm talent, but he also doesn't turn the ball over as much. So kind of a plus in that region. And then... Just in terms of his rushing threat, Nevada has one of the premier pass rushes in essentially the entire NCAA. But how are they going to use that when they know at any point in time if they overcommit, uh, Nash is going to take off here. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm going, whereas on the other side, Nevada, don't get me wrong, very good team, but they're a little more one-dimensional. They throw the ball nearly 70% of the time. San Jose State also ranks in the top 50 in um, yards or uh, 
yards allowed per pass attempt. And then they also rank in the top 35 in sack percentage. So it kind of feels like they're in a spot where if they can get them in second or third and long, they're going to be kind of in the best possible position where they know what Nevada wants to do. They're going to be able to get after the quarterback. And even though they have a potential NFL draftee, I guess, at Nevada, you know, San Jose State's defensive line is one of the better ones in the entire NCAA. Um, I guess I would also mention that you can consider the under in this game. I feel like both defenses are really going to stand out compared to the offenses. And obviously, if that's the case, you know, I'll take the team that is getting 10 points. 10 points. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I one thing I know about the San Jose State team is their defense is 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 not to be questioned. And when you're getting ten points for a team that has good defense, it's totally fair for me to back the ten points. Yeah, they'll they'll keep it close. What do you got for your next play? So I'm backing Liberty, and by Liberty, I essentially mean Malik Willis. In yeah, <laughs> it feels more or less like his NFL showcase, right? Like this is the best game he's playing. If he doesn't play well, he could drop. And now with like Radler and um, all all the, essentially every quarterback in this kind of face planning, it's very real that Malik Willis, assuming he performs well this Saturday could be the number one overall pick. So when you kind of look at it like that, I mean, you kind of have to back the kid, assuming you believe in his talent, which I do that feels like the type of situation where big time players come out and they perform at a big time level. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I think that Liberty upsets Ole Miss or anything, but again, they're getting nearly 10 points at nine and a half. So all they have to do realistically is keep the game close on top of it. uh, Both of the offenses are more run heavy. That's not necessarily because they love handing the ball off to the running backs. They don't, but they both have quarterbacks that are dual threats. So Uh, They're running the ball over 55% of the time each. And now it's important to keep in mind that Liberty hasn't really faced the competition of Ole Miss. I think that's relatively obvious. They did perform well against Syracuse when given the opportunity. Uh, But Liberty's defense is essentially better than Ole Miss's in every metric. I think that has a lot to do with uh, the competition that they've played. But at the same time, you know, they, they don't need to win the game. Like we're not looking for... Liberty as a big underdog to come out here and hit the money line. We just need them to keep it close. So more or less a situation where I'm just backing an elite player in Malik Willis. I think that he's going to come out. He's going to show out against a defense that I don't believe is that good. And if that's the case, I don't think that Ole Miss hits the 10 points that they need to hit the spread here. And Ole Miss, you know, coming off that tough loss to Auburn, you know, they're not an SEC game. This is one that could sneak up on them. Another, I, they have, uh, what, Texas A&M next week, yeah. too. So yeah. it's like Liberty's kind of in, in the sweet spot where they're going right. to overlook them a little bit. I'll go ahead and say this. Uh, I'll be rooting for you. I'm not back in Liberty. I'm not betting against Ole Miss because Ole Miss is Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to covering the spread. Games they cover, they look phenomenal. And then games like against Auburn, they look atrocious. But, hey, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> No, that makes sense. I get it. Hey, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on for the short and sweet episode, a short and sweet segment of The Goal Line. Guys, be sure to follow Justin on at Twitter on Bales S. Justin. Appreciate your time, and I wish you the best of luck. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Take care.